Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, May the 7th, 2019. It is currently 10.23 a.m. Central Time, and this is a live broadcast on the VBC66 app. Now, if you do not have the VBC66 app and you're listening to this after the live broadcast, you're listening to a recording and it's been posted somewhere on the internet and you stumbled across it, and you would like to be able to listen to the live broadcast when they actually occur and have access to everything else that is available to you on the VBC66 app. It's very simple. Go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, do a search for VBC66, VBC66, and download the app. All right. I could talk a lot about some things I've posted on the app recently, but I don't want to do that. I want to get right to it this morning. It is my morning devotional time, and I think this is a very important subject, but I always have to say this because we have new people tuning in, and they sometimes don't understand what, what a live morning devotional thought consists of. It literally is my devotional time. This is not like, this is not like me preparing a devotional message and then recording it and claiming it's my devotional time, it actually is me sitting down with my Bible, with notebooks, and then I pick up the iPad and hit go live so that you can participate. So in a way, basically what this is, is me inviting you over, telling you to come into my study, have a seat, open your Bible, and let's consider you know, a, a passage of scripture or some scripture together. This is not planned out. This is not, you know, I don't have an outline already ready. What you are hearing is me thinking through it out loud. Now that's, some people probably like that. Pro probably some people hate the way this works because they would like it to feel more prepared, more organized. But I like I like the genuineness of it. This is just me as a as a Christian saying, "Hey, I'm having my devotional time. You're a Christian. Why don't you have your devotional time with me?" And then we'll see where it ends up. Sometimes I hope it ends up in a way that is beneficial for everyone. Sometimes it may end up just, you know, may, maybe some people don't feel like it's valuable, but I, I think it's a good idea. So I'm going to continue to do it. Okay, that's no matter no matter if people like it or not. But for me this morning. How do we want to approach this subject? Um, let's do it this way. Um, I was looking um, in the book of Psalms, and I read a very famous passage there. And as soon as I read it, my, my thoughts went one direction. And then as I kept thinking about it, I was like, well, maybe I could go a different direction. And then before I really had any time to, to think it through or start, you know, you know, working out any details, I decided, you know, um, this is, I think this is an interesting concept. So let me just go live and I'll share it with as many people as possible. So again, I mean, you're, we're, we're, we're doing this uh, morning devotional together. It's not me prepared. This is me ready to share this with you. So Let's start not with the psalm. Let's go with a cross-reference that immediately came to my mind. And I'm not saying this is a direct cross-reference in the sense that one necessarily directly relates to the other, but it deals with the, the same subject. And I think that there is a connection here in an interesting way, but we'll have to see. Maybe in the middle of this, I'm going to change my mind, but we will see. Let's, let's start in the New Testament. 
And let's go to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. That's where I want to start this morning for, for our devotional time. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus speaking here. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So here's Jesus. He speaks a parable to them. And the, and the reason for this parable, the purpose of this parable, is that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus is challenging them on a very basic idea. Men should always pray and not to faint. And as soon as I read that, or I read the psalm and then I ended up in, in the Luke passage. But as soon as I read the Luke passage, I had to stop myself and go, no, wait a minute. Okay. It, on one hand, we, would sh we should say, okay, as a Christian, we should perceive that as a Christian, because we have uh, believed in Jesus Christ and we believe that no one can come to the Father except through the Son and that because we've come to faith in Jesus Christ, now we can approach the throne of grace boldly, that we really wouldn't need any motivation to pray, that we would see it as a privilege, we would see it as an honor, and that we would live a life of prayer, in a sense, fulfilling the scripture, pray without ceasing. But I think we all know that that's not the reality. We may pray before we eat, we may pray at certain specific times, but I don't know if we live a life of prayer, a life of praying, that we're, we're constantly thinking and considering speaking out to God about uh, confessing uh, what we have done wrong, praying for others, uh, petitioning God on behalf of ourselves, uh, praising him, uh, you, know, uh, you know, thanking him. I, I don't know if we really live that way. There's something inside of us that seems to have a struggle with prayer. I posted a sermon in the Sermon and Bible Study Notes section of the VBC 66 app, um, and that pastor in that sermon said the hardest thing to do in the Christian life is to pray. Now that that's a major that's a that's a big statement. That's a big statement for a pastor to make. But I wonder how much time we actually spend in prayer. And and you know we could argue that the the idea of you know uh, the church getting together and say meeting on a Tuesday just to pray for an hour, I think in some ways that kind of concept is kind of left uh, uh, American Christianity. It, it's something outdated. It's something of the past. It's not something current. So, so on one hand, when I when I read Luke chapter eighteen and him and Jesus teaching a parable, teaching people to pray and not faint, not on one hand you're kind of go, wait a minute. We shouldn't need to be taught to do that, but but there is something that we struggle with consistent living a life of prayer. I, I, I agree that that is true, that there's something inside of us, something because of our sinful nature. But there can be another reason sometimes we feel like fainting in prayer, and that can be, and listen to how I'm going to describe this, 
When life seems to be falling apart, the, the wheels have kind of come off the car, the train has left the track, the house is on fire, the walls are crumbling around you, and, and it just seems like there's one problem after another problem, and you begin to pray, but you don't seem to feel anything, nothing seems to be happening, and you begin to getting this, this sense, this feeling inside of you that maybe just maybe, this is a waste of time. Maybe God is not even listening. Maybe it, there's no purpose in this. And so you begin to faint. You begin to struggle. You begin to possibly question. And, and what happens is your frustration, the problems around you, begins to lead you to, in a sense, not praying more, but praying less and less with less with less purpose with less passion I, I think I think there is a sense that that's when we really are forced uh, to challenge ourselves not to faint All right so so Luke 18 Jesus teaches them a parable to pray and not to faint okay we, we struggle with praying for some reason, even though we should see it as a privilege and honor. Sometimes we just struggle living a life of prayer. There's something inherent in our sinful nature that I think struggles with that. And number two, life, problems, difficulties, trials, and sometimes a sense that God is not really listening or our prayers are not really doing anything can lead us to faint can lead us to stop praying in a meaningful way. I, I think both concepts is true. Now, you're asking, well, why are, you, why are you going this direction? Because the original verse I saw this morning is found in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22. Now, I understand that this passage of Scripture has an application and was a, is, is seen as a prophetic pas passage pointing to Jesus Christ. I am not denying that in any way, shape, or form, but we also believe there's probably some historical connection and context to when it was originally written. We know Psalm 22, verse, Psalm 22 is a Psalm of David. We know it's a Psalm of David. Now, we could just read this and go, oh, that is pointing us to Jesus on the cross, and we forget that it also possibly has something to do with David and what was going on with him. But Psalm 22, verse 1, very famous words, My God, my God, hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, ha why or why hast thou forsaken me? It's a question, it's a question. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Here is a Psalm of David. And so in one way we can read this. These are the words of David crying out to God, asking God, why have you forsaken me? It's, 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 he's expressing an emotion. He's expressing a perception that in his mind, he feels God has forsaken him. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. Typically, when we feel forsaken by God or abandoned by God, what we may have a tendency to do is faint in our prayer. We don't persist in prayer. We don't push through that feeling. 
We succumb to the feeling. The emotion stops us. The emotion derails us. The emotion serves as a as a weight that holds us back. This is a very important concept. Just stay with me. I'm going to flesh this all out. I think that I think we're really onto something important here, okay? So, in Luke, Jesus teaches a parable to pray and not to faint. And I think that there's two reasons why we faint. There's something just inherent in our nature not to live a life of prayer. And prayer just becomes a meaningless ritual, a routine. And so we don't live a life of prayer. And then the second thing is life, problems, difficulties, and this overwhelming sense that maybe our prayers are not doing thing, anything, we begin to faint. We turn to Psalm 22. We have a Psalm of David, and David is praying. David is crying out to God, and he's over, over, he has this overwhelming sense that God had forsaken him. But instead of allowing that emotion to stop him from prayer, he's, it's doing the opposite. It's driving him to prayer. That is the fascinating part about it. And, and I think that's why it connects so per- perfectly to Luke 18. So let's go back and let's read this carefully. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. David is overwhelmed with a sense that God has forsaken him. He is overwhelmed with a sense that God is not hearing, that God is not listening. But what's fascinating is he continues to cry out to God in the daytime And at night, he will not be silent. He will not be stopped. He will not allow whatever is happening to be the thing to stop him. Now, there's a now if we place this in the historical context of okay, this is David. This is becomes very important for us to consider. If we try to unpack this and say, okay, what was happening in David's life? And maybe we could find out the specific historical setting. But even if we can't, in some ways it's better that we can't. Whatever was happening in David's life, something about David's character shines through. David obviously was not perfect. We all know that. He sinned in a horrible way. We understand that. I mean, mean, a lot of sins he, he, he committed. But there's something about David that continued to pursue God. In fact, I mean, he's often, he's referred to as a man after God's own heart that we see here, he is pursuing God because even though when he feels God has forsaken him, even when he feels God is not listening, he continues to cry out to God in the morning and in the evening. That is literally an example of praying and fainting not. That is literally an an example. Jesus taught a parable to teach us to pray and not to faint, but the Psalm 22 is an example of David. Ultimately, these words are used by Jesus, okay, upon the cross where he's crying out to his father, okay, even though he feels that sense. That that's really the, the heart of us as Christians is do we continue to pray? Do we continue to serve God when everything around us 
seems to be going against that concept. When life becomes complicated, when life becomes difficult, is is that enough to stop us? I, I, I think the best way to say this, the level of your commitment is determined by what it takes to stop you. Your level of commitment to prayer is determined by what it takes to stop you from praying. Your level of of Love and dedication to God's word is seen by why it stops to derail you or stop you from reading and thinking about the word of God. Your your commitment to church is determined by what it takes to stop you from coming. There, there's a sense of that. And, and it's just powerful to me to hear David saying, Lord, you, you, why have you forsaken me? You're not listening to me. But you know what? I'm not going to stop. I am not going to stop praying. I am not going to stop. I did look up at least uh, one kind of commentary about this. And I'll, I'll read some things here. There's some questions here they, they ask. They quote Psalm 22, verses 1 through 2. They quote it uh, from a different translation. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from uh, far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Same idea, same concept. It's, it's the, the Psalm of David. David is crying out. And there's some questions they ha- have here. Number one, why is it important to keep praying even when we don't sense God in our lives? Why is it important to keep praying even when we don't sense God in our lives? That's an important question for you to ponder today. Why is it important for you to keep praying even when you feel like God has abandoned you, God is not listening, no help is coming, and it seems like a pointless exercise? Why is it important to keep praying even when you don't sense or feel God is in your life, God is listening? Why is it important to keep doing it? Now, I'm not going to give you an answer. Now, I want you to think this answer through. Make sure your answer is biblical. Your answer is just not conjecture. I can think of a very good reason why we should keep praying, even when we don't feel like we should. And I, and trust me, I have struggled with this because there have been times, I'll just, I'm just going to get really personal here. I'm going to get really, 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 really really personal right here okay and this this i probably shouldn't do this but i'm just going to get very personal early in my christian life i experienced a very i won't i don't like to use the word traumatizing i guess from a spiritual perspective it was very um detrimental to my view of prayer and that was, I was a very young Christian, and anyone listening who knows me knows the story. I wasn't living with my family. I was at school, in a high school. Um, overhead announcement comes for me and my brother to come to the principal's office, get to the principal's office. We're told we need to get to Hendrick Hospital in Abilene, Texas, as soon as we possibly can. So we are taken to Hendrick Hospital. I walk up, I can't remember, second floor, third floor. I walk into the room. There lies my mother on a hospital bed. One side of her body is basically shaking. The other side of the body is not moving. And for all practical purposes, she's gone. Um, they just can't d- declare her gone until the brain waves come back, you know, showing basically no, no, you know, nothing. 
Um, and so it's going to be a long process just to kind of watch this my mom die. Now, now at the time, they, they still thought there was some hope. So I immediately, I, I mean, I, I get upset. I mean, there was a family. I mean, because I wasn't living with my family. I, I won't go into all the details, everything that happened, but it was bad. But I immediately left Hendricks Hospital after being there for a little bit of time. And I went to First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas. And there I spent the entire night in prayer for God to spare my mother, that we could experience some rec reconciliation, that, that, that even if she had to die, that she could at least come back enough that we could talk. There's something. And well, if you know how the story ends, there was no coming back. She never regained consciousness. There was no, there was no miracle. There was no healing. She died. And that was a... That, that gave me a sense that, okay, I mean, I struggled with God over it, but it gave me a sense that, okay, well, then do my prayers really matter? So there was a sense that sometimes when I feel like, okay, should I pray because is it going to change anything? There's this, oh, there's this underlying sense inside of me that says no. So when I read David saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he's continuing to cry out even though he doesn't know how things are going to work and he feels God's not even listening, that's a, that's a slap in my face because what I would do is like, okay, well, it doesn't matter to pray. Now, I hope I would continue to obviously try to live out my Christian life and still try to serve God and obey God, but I think I would probably just give up in the praying and saying, you know what, I'm just going to live my life. And sometimes that's how I think even today. That had a profound impact on me. And after all of these years, it's still there. And there's probably things in your life as well. So let me ask that question again, because it's an important one, all right? It's a very important one. Why is it important to keep praying even when we don't sense God in our lives? Number two, in what ways can our emo emotions deceive us? In what ways can our emotions deceive us? Now, this is important. Sometimes, because of our feelings, our feelings can deceive us into thinking God has abandoned, God is not listening, God is not working, God is not involved. And we have to re remember God's ways are not our ways. Our, our ability to perceive the, way, the ways and the works and the presence of God is flawed. It is limited. It is corrupted by sin. It's corrupted by the fact that we are fleshly. God is spirit, that his ways are way beyond our way of comprehending. His ways are way beyond our ability to understand. We have to remember that we cannot rely on our emotions. We have to at times, when, when, when emotions tell us one thing, we have to set the emotions aside to return to fact. And here are the facts. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is present at all places at all times. We have to rely on the We have to, we have to, whenever our emotions speak, we have to drown out the sound of our emotions with the facts of Scripture, with the truths of of God, with the attributes of God. God's attributes are not impacted by, by my emotions. God's ways are not changed by my feelings. 
God is eternal. God is sovereign. God, we, we could talk about God's eternal decrees. We could talk about his providence. We, he is working and moving, whether I feel it, whether I perceive it, whether I understand it, and here's most importantly, whether I like it or not. In what ways can our emotions deceive us? They deceive us because they're not accurate. They're not an accurate indicator of reality. They're not an accurate indicator of God. So why is it important to keep praying even when we don't sense God in our lives? I didn't really give you an answer on that. I want you to struggle with that. Number two, I ended up giving you an answer I didn't really want to. In what ways can our emotions deceive us? Oh, countless ways. Now, now the key there is for you to think about in your Christian life, what, how, how do your emotions impact your Christian life and your prayer life? How do your emotions impact your prayer life and your spiritual life? That's the question I want you to consider. How do your emotions impact? And again, emotions deceive, they mislead, they confuse. We, the, when the Sound of our emotions, when the voice of our emotions are there, we have to drown out them with the facts of Scripture, with the attributes of God, which are not, are not changing. They're fixed. God is transcendent. He is above it all. We have to remind ourselves of that. And I think if you go to Psalm 22, in fact, let me do that. I'll just show you what David does here in Psalm 22 because I think it's fascinating. Okay, in Psalm chapter 22... Um, you have verse, you know, my God, in verse one and two, my God, why have you forsaken me? Morning, I'm crying out to you. Evening, I'm, cry, I'm cry, crying out to you. I'm not going to be silent, even, even if you're not listening. And then look immediately what David does in Psalm 22, verse three. After he, he's expressing all of these emotions and all of this doubt and all of this concern, immediately in Psalm 22, verse three, he says, but thou art holy. He immediately replaces his emotion with the fact of who God is. I may feel like you've abandoned me. I may feel like you're not speaking. I may not feel your presence, but you are holy. We always have to drown out the sound of our emotions with the fact of who God is. That is a profound truth that to this day, I struggle with living out in any meaningful way. So, Number one, why is it important to keep praying even when we don't sense God in our lives? Your answer needs to be scriptural, not emotional. Number two, in what ways can our emotions deceive us? Countless ways, but what I want you to do about with that question is look at your Christian life. How do your emotions impact you? How does your emotions impact your daily devotional time? How do your emotions impact your study time? How do your, how do your emotions impact your church attendance? How do your emotions impact your prayer life? And number three, what can help us to be patient? What can help us to be patient, to be steadfast, to be long-suffering in the midst of doubt, confusion, um, pain, suffering, you know, feel, feel emotions, feeling like God has abandoned us? What can help us to be patient. Or another way, can, can I think we could ask this, what can help us to be persistent? What can help you and me have the attitude of David here in this psalm? 
When we feel like God has abandoned us, we don't keep praying. We withdraw. We don't run to church. We, we, we don't go to church. We don't open the Bible. We close the Bible. David feels like God has abandoned him, and he's, he's re, he is recommitting himself to continue to pray in the morning and in the evening. He's not going to be silent. And then immediately he goes in and into Psalm 22, 3. God, you're holy. What 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 is it? What 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 helps him to be to be that persistent? What helped him to be, in a sense, that patient? What can help you? Now, I have a lot more here that I would like to talk about. I have a lot more. You know what? I'm because trying to come back to this, I'm just going to read the rest of what I have here. I'm just going to read it. I'm going to try not to offer any commentary. I know that's hard. And then we'll end and we'll end with just reading this. And I'm going to read it slowly, carefully, and I want you to listen. And if you're taking any notes, you can write some of this down. In Psalm 22, David felt as if he had gotten a raw deal from God and he wanted some answers. Why have you abandoned me? Look at what has happened. I'm so miserable. Why all this cruelty? Why this silence? Even though David cried out again and again, God seemed to remain silent. His circumstances raise an important question that so many of us have pondered at different seasons of our lives. Why? What should we do when God doesn't appear to show up? What happens when the Lord doesn't seem to answer our prayers, when we beg for deliverance, when we suffer, yet all the while we, all we feel is silence? Should we stop praying altogether? Should we stop believing that prayer even makes a difference? Psalm 22, 1 through 2 seems to imply, no, we don't stop. Luke 18, 1 seems to imply, Jesus teaches a parable for us to pray and not to faint. Even when life is caving in around us, we've got to be honest with God. We've got to cry out to him just as David did. If you think those words have a familiar ring, you're right. Jesus repeated some of those very words as he hung on the cross dying for our sins. But as we keep reading in Psalm 22, verses 11 through 18, it's almost eerie how David's metaphorical description of his personal crisis fits the passion of Christ. And just as God was silent when Jesus cried out, the Lord was silent during David's anguish. But that didn't stop either of them. Psalm 22 offers us some suggestions about how to pray when we feel as if God isn't showing up. Keep talking, disregard feelings, don't fake it, be patient, but here's the most important thing, I think. Allow the truth of Scripture, allow the facts of God to drown out the voice of our emotions. If you don't get anything... Life is going to throw a million things at you. Things are going to go right. Things are going to go bad. You, every day has its own struggles. And your emotions, things are going to come up into you. And, 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 and your commitment to God has to be able to persevere through how those things make you feel and the, and, and the pain of those circumstances. We're not, we're not supposed to walk around like brainwashed people going, everything's wonderful, and, and a, a fake smile on our face. No, David is not being fake. David is not pretending. He's crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Where are you? Why are you not listening? 
But in, in the midst of that, he continues to say, I'm going to continue to cry out. And then immediately in Psalm 22, verse 3, you're holy. He, he begins to remember who God is, what God has done. Very important thoughts. I, there's a lot more I could say here, a lot more we could, we could flesh out. I would challenge you to do this today. Just spend some time in Psalm 22. Spend some time in Psalm 22 really meditating on it. And I'll ask those questions that I asked a minute ago. I'll ask these questions to you one more time. Number one, why is it important to keep praying even when we don't sense God in our lives? Why is it important? Try to make sure your answer is biblical. Don't start conjecture and just throwing things out. Try to come up with a biblical answer and write down the scripture that you think supports your answer to this. Why is it important to keep praying in our even when we don't sense God in our lives. Number two, in what ways can our emotions deceive us? I want you to take that question and expand it. In what ways have emotions been detrimental to you in your spiritual life? How have emotions sometimes gotten in the way of your spiritual life? Some people are like emotional roller coasters. One day they're up, the next day they're down. One day they're like, I'm going to read, I'm going to study. I love God. The next day they don't care because they allow their emotions to control them. And what can help us to be persistent? What can help us to, to persevere when we find ourselves in this kind of situation? All right, well, thank you for walking into my study, sitting down and listening to this morning devotional thought. I will be placing this recording um, on the VBC 66 app. So if you don't have the VBC 66 app and you want access not only to the live, all, to all everything we post, which is so much information a day I can't keep up with, just go to the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store, do a search for VBC 66, VBC 66, download the app, and you'll have access to everything from history to hermeneutics to philosophy to news, you'll have it all. So uh, that's VBC 66 in the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. And, uh, well, I hope this was beneficial. If this raises any questions and you would like, you can offer feedback using the feedback tab on the VBC 66 app. Or you can correspond with me by emailing me at newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right, uh, Wednesday night at Victory Baptist Church, we'll continue our overview to the Book of Romans, and then hopefully on Sunday we can start digging in to what will probably be about a 10-year verse-by-verse study of the Book of Romans. And you think I'm joking. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of years. So, uh, but we'll be doing that on, on one service, and we're gonna uh, add in a lot of other things to the other services to ensure that we uh, are balanced with Old Testament, New Testament, and other things as well. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this live morning devotional thought on the VBC 66 app. As always, I keep these uh, I keep these devotionals really short, don't I? I mean, I've only been talking for, what, 35 minutes? I mean, I told you it would be like a little 10-minute devotional because that's what I do. I, I yeah, obviously, I, I, my, my, my perception of reality is not so real, is it? All right, have a great day. God bless you. But hey, consider Psalm 22. And uh, let's really give that some serious thought. That's a, a very powerful, uh, I think, devotional thought this morning. And uh, I got a lot to look at my own life because uh, it was convicting to me as well. And hopefully it was to you. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. God bless. Mm -hmm.